Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. I usually listen to the podcast, the Word podcast, when I'm walking the dog, actually. So I walk around Clisson Park with Fido on the end of late. Word podcast, laughing at Fido, the Fido, eyeing you quizzically as you guffaw to the sound of your own voice, probably telling a story about that horse. Well, don't believe you. I would. So, so Barry, what I, want to, what I want you to do is next time, so take a picture of yourself. Walking said dog, listen to the podcast, have you seen these and post it on the Facebook group because that's right. what people have done. Oh, I we've saw a, one. Yes, we've asked people to do this, and and we've got somebody on a bus in Marley uh, with the biggest headphones you've ever seen in Bigger your life. Than Bigger than that, headphones. <laughs> <laughs> you're picking up signals <laughs> from totally distant, <laughs> distant planets. Uh, and we've got a bloke on the central line, and we've also, you like this, got a bloke mucking out his wife's horse. I've seen him. Isn't that lovely? Is that a, is that a euphemism? <laughs> <laughs> it's a metaphor for something. It's a picture of his brothel, but he's listening to the podcast. I would like to feel that we're, you know, we're lightening those dullest parts of the day. So we want to hear about that. So this is, as you probably detected, the word podcast. I'm joined in the pod this week. I'm David Hepworth for a start. Uh, I'm joined in the pod, pod this week uh, by Barry McElhenney. Barry? Uh, Barry McElhenney, thank you very much. <laughs> Show his horse. And who is that hyena cackle in the background? Mark Ellen. Mark Radio FM King. <laughs> just here, just, you know, ducking and diving and keeping the chat in the air. Suddenly up. <laughs> and, uh, and operating the faders, because you may notice that we've improved the sound. Fader. As <laughs> one. Singular. Yes. Is Matt Hall with the large headphones. And, uh, and I'd like to feel we've finally got rid of those cocoa tins and a bit, bit of string. I'm mourning their passing already. <laughs> it's a much more sophisticated operation than I imagine as a regular listener. Oh, yeah. oh dear. There's microphones. There's, Matt's got a... Don't a let daylight in on magic. Please. It's <laughs> <laughs> a bottle of Corona. Yeah, we really booed up. A magazine, a website, a podcast, the word. Have you ever been on the front row at a major, massive stadium gig? 
No, never. Only once. The Hammersmith Odeon. That's not, not a stadium gig. Stadium what was it like, Hammersmith? Who was it? It was Alison Krauss. Right. Yeah. I've done front row Wembley Arena for U2, 1987, idiot. God, how do you manage So, that? go on. I did, I, PR. I did Bruce Springsteen front yeah. row Wembley I can't remember, 1993 or something like that. Well, I mean, what I remember... And it is just a unique It's extraordinary. Experience. And I actually did think on a couple of occasions Bono was looking at me, you know, because yeah, you're well, so be. close yeah. to He them. will be. Well, he would be looking And you think, you're making eye contact with somebody, and does he know it's me? Oh, hi, how are you going? You sort of feel tempted be, yeah. to wave at them yeah. <laughs> halfway through in the streets of no name or whatever. <laughs> but it's a totally different experience. Because you, can't, you go to most big gigs... And, and the actual, you know, out of the amount of things you can see, out of your, you know, your, your screen of things you can see, the performance only takes up a tiny amount. Mm. You know what I mean? You're fighting against all the distractions oh, around yeah, yeah. you, the building, everything, all the other people. When you go down the front, you can't see anything but what's going on on stage. It's like being plonked in front of it's, the world's largest screen showing Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. It's totally different. And you can't get away from it. Take, take that um, at O2. did this extraordinary thing where they did the, the B stage <clears throat> in the middle, in the round, and then said, we're now going to walk our way back to the main stage. Uh, this is our favourite bit of the night. And they were almost pulled apart, as oh, you sure. can imagine. It was an amazing spectacle to watch. With the spotlights on them, one by one, they went like a boxer. From one stage right through the crowd to the front. I mean, you know, the band like take that, where you know, the adulation is absolutely pretty kind of physical and full yeah. on. I mean, it took them five to seven minutes to get from one stage to the other. It was part of the show. It was a fantastic thing. They had very heavy security I saw either you side. Do of them. the same thing at, it's uh, fantastic at the Velodrome in Boston, and they have a great walkway that goes out to a little stage. Same sort of thing. Yeah. And when they walk back on that, um, underneath. Uh, the stay, you can't actually see them unless you're down the side where I was. You see, it. running along the other side, one is a security guy and the other is a microphone roadie. In case they drop a handheld microphone, they can throw another into their hand. I right. just thought it was extraordinary. Oh, the level of kind of belt oh, yeah. and braces preparation for these but things is oh, yeah. just. But it's, it's totally different because normally, <clears throat> normally you're watching the spectacle of which the crowd is a hugely important part. When you're in the front row, it's, it's you. And the artists. And, the, and they're, totally they're performing different. on such a massive scale. They're on a big stage. They're a yeah. large distance away from each other. There's always something to look at. It's just absolutely enthralling. But it's, it's interesting, you know, this business about would Bono see you. Um, I, Bruce Springsteen, like many artists, preserves front row for kind of, they give them to fans, you mm. know, people who bought bad seats or whatever, or fan club members or whatever. So they make sure yeah. there's no media and so really forth down there. Brilliant. And so I was fixed for this one. Barbara Carr, who's one of his managers, who said, I'll have to tell him why you're there. <laughs> Kissy gets offended. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, because he could because be thrown. Absolutely. Well, you could have be thrown. Your concentration you, you, will be thrown. You, you, put him you, off. you think, oh, somebody I've met, or whatever. You know, and, um, and, and it's, it's just, you're suddenly thrust into this intimate contact with people in this vast area. Just playing on his mind the whole way through. <laughs> Yeah, born in the USA. Who is he's done to unravel? Yeah. Yes. Anyway, yeah. talking of front row uh, hijinks, have you seen that thing on the Word website, wordmagazine.co.uk? The extraordinary Tori Amos incident, where she oh, is playing a concert somewhere, in, I think, in the United States. She's on tour. And like every incident that happens at every concert all over the world right now, there's somebody puts it on YouTube, somebody, you know, telephone, video, or whatever. And uh, she's halfway through, quite a <coughs> excuse me, noisy number, and she clearly just gets annoyed by a couple of people in the front row who are either talking or you know whatever, doing Shut something distracting. Up. She stops, the band stop, she chucks them out. 
she chucks them out with in a fairly <laughs> forcible way, doesn't I'd she? Say. She's a, a lot of liberal use of some Anglo-Saxon that I won't she, repeat now for, she's uh, for younger listeners. But yeah, she's getting the very out of my show. Absolutely. Out of my show. And she says, you know, she, she defends her action on the basis that, you know, she's got a right to do this. She, it's her discretion who goes on the front row. You know, she it, says it's a privilege to it's be a in privilege. my front row. I wouldn't personally want to be in the front row, Tori Amos. I wouldn't want to be anywhere there. Is yeah. she just fed but up with them filming and constantly? I don't know. You don't know. So but it's, it's the nerve to stop. Yeah. And it shows you also how, as people have remarked on the, on the website and responded to this, how distracting it is for the artist. Yeah. You know, so the artist is immensely aware of the fact that you're very near to them. And people increasingly behave nowadays as if they're in their, their own personal pod. Yeah. You know what I mean? That people don't notice the you know, Well, it's like that interview with Ozzy Osbourne in a recent issue of Worm. He did a sort of special issue about the whole idea of live performance, which I thought was absolutely fascinating, actually. Yeah, what and a was all from, yeah, yeah, from the other side of the microphone. And Ozzy Osbourne said a story about going to this concert. He said the entire place, where it was 25,000 people going absolutely mental. But it was a collection of people just down the bottom left, absolutely immobile. Totally untouched by And eventually, he went down in the mid-song, not to them, thank God, as you will find out, and <laughs> said to the, the road at the side of the stage, give them their money back and tell them to leave. He said, well, Aussie, they're deaf. They're deaf. <laughs> they, they've come to see you. They love you, but they're deaf. You know, it was absolutely brilliant. But the idea that, it, that he, was, he couldn't feel fulfilled because there were 25,000 people going mental and eight and nine deaf people who didn't appear to be tapping a tap. The Word, a magazine, a website, a podcast. A way of life. So I went to see Crowded House at the Albert Hall last week. Yeah. And I saw something at that show I've never seen before. Oh. Last show of eight months world tour. And um, halfway through the set, they said um, the guitar techs and the, you know, the instrument technicians have gotten so good on this tour that we're going to let them do a number on their own. Oh, my God. So, you know... But the, not by no, the crew, is it? It's the guitar tech, it's the oh, drum okay. tech, it's what is keyboard, you know, so it's the personal kind of. Yeah, they're musician the, roadies. Yeah. yeah, musician roadies, absolutely. And, uh, and so the guys come on, you know, just a load of anonymous blokes in, in black t shirts and black jeans and whatever, take on the guitar and the keyboards and the drums. Ding, 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 and they. Ding, they, ding, they, ding, they, ding, they, they play, um, I can't remember, it's only natural, I think, or something like that. Crowded House left the stage. And the Albert Hall being the Albert Hall, they then reappeared a minute later in a box okay, at the back of the place and made their way back to the stage, took off the instruments, you know, and without missing a beat, went back to playing it themselves. Lucky, there's always something new movement. under the sun. Lucky the Rolling Stones didn't do that because I was just reading Ronnie Wood's book and it was a Keith Richards guitar tech was tone deaf or something. Like that. Oh yes, oh yeah. No, it's um, Ron. No, it was Ron. One of the two, the guys done all his guitars over the years, literally tone deaf. Yes. <laughs> so not the case, presumably, with the house. Yeah. Well, thank you. Did I ever tell you about seeing Frank Sinatra in the Albert Hall? No, you're just with about the, to. The girl in the audience. Go on, go on, tell us tell It was oh, just no. right. I went with my old mate Anton Corbyn in 1979. A very tall us, man. A very tall man, and the two of us went a bit mad. We got a little box just for the two of us. We were so excited about seeing Frank. And Frank was playing with the Nelson Riddle Orchestra. It was, I remember he had bright orange uh, face and um, a polypropylene thatch. <laughs> and, and anyway, oh, the thing was that you had to take presents if you were a woman. You had to take presents and take them to the stage and give them to Frank. 
And Hello. Yeah, yeah, that was the kind of ceremony. Obviously, people taking, you know, uh, bottles of scotch or whatever, or roses. And, this. and this woman, we watched this woman trying to time it right so that she'd get to the front of the stage when Frank was at the front of the stage. And she took an entire massive bouquet of roses in a cut glass vase, cut glass <laughs> and a bottle of Shivers Regal. Walked all her lonely way up the front. As she did it, he just ended this song and went back to talk to the conductor of the Nelson Riddle Orchestra. Probably Nelson Riddle, actually. And, uh, and she just stood there, waiting for him to turn around for about three minutes. It was agony. And eventually she put them on the lip of the stage and walked back. And he turned around and she saw them. Hadn't seen the girl at all. And it was so dismissive. He said, hmm, I don't know whether to drink it or smoke it. <laughs> just held up his stand so decadent. Held up these roses. Chucked them in the back with all the rest. I, I saw Barry, she could have wept. I saw Barry White at the Royal Albert Hall many years ago. And he invited couples up on stage with him who had conceived their child to, to the sound oh, no. of a Barry White record. I think it was You're My First, My Last, My Everything. I'm six, seven couples, clearly pre Were these couples still wearing Terry Towling dressing gowns? It was just a, it was a cigarette. All very happy to admit to the moment of conception accompanied by the sound of the walls of love. <laughs> you're my what first children called, I Barry. Barry. <laughs> Barry. Harry. Didn't, didn't the Spice Girls never like bring all their children? They brought all the children. Oh, apart no. from Dave. Oh, past oh, the They, said, they said, this is our proudest achievement. It was during Mama, and they brought in all the children apart from Hello, Jerry Halliwell's daughter, which I'm rather Blue appalled to, to... I was going to say, I'm appalled to realise I know her name, which is Bluebell. Bluebell. <laughs> but you had the three, uh, Posh Spice's three were on. And the various others. There's can seven, seven just, or eight kids on stage. Can I just say that, you know, one of the main priorities of my sort this world out party, which I'm thinking of launching next year, <laughs> is going to be stop the parading of tiny children at sporting events, you know, anything where yeah. cam- surrounded by cameras. You know, it started a few years ago, didn't it, with Dennis Wise when Dennis Chelsea Wise. won the cup. Uh, rugby players are doing it now. Rugby players are now yeah. doing it. Ridiculous. You know? Well, they, well, they don't even win, they're gone, doing it. Gone too People far are conceiving children, probably to Barry White Records, just in order to bring them onto the pitch and not feel left. And the list of uh, Spice Girls' babies' names, the eight who were on stage, so it was Crows, um, go on, go on, go on. Phoenix, Bo, uh, yeah, Bro- Brooklyn. I mean, you, there, there was nobody called Trevor. There was no, <laughs> no Derricks. No Derricks. No, Bri- no Brian's on stage. <laughs> of Alberts, there were none. <laughs> It's just a fantastic lineup, but Bluebell was missing. Oh, sorry Bluebell. about that. Bluebell sounds a bit common, really. Yeah. Like they're doing yeah. they're doing a month at the hotel. The Spice Girls, aren't they? They're doing a twenty-seven no, no. nights, Your twenty-seven kid. nights, right into New Year. It's almost until February. Yeah, no, just the market keeps on you know, oh, just expanding. Uh, yeah, it's part of they're in season. They're in season at the hotel. Writes for Word. Actually, I'm a great admirer of his stuff. He wrote a piece in the the Times about it. And he described the audience as um, as eighty-six uh, percent hen parties and fourteen percent designated drivers. I drive. I've got I've got a query here from uh, a reader, listener, who actually wants us to uh, to discuss something oh, yeah. on the podcast. First time we've ever had a nominated subject. <laughs> this is Mike Walker in Bristol, who who wants to know should he keep. Does the team think? Should he, should he keep old music magazines? Because he's got his old, yes. still got his old NMEs and things, and things like that. And he's got fifty-nine copies of Word and so forth. But there's and two he's coming to that. under the usual yes domestic no. pressure. Yeah, there's two. Well, there's, no, there's two answers to that. Can I, can I go first? I'll, I'll take this question first, please. Yes. I mean, there's two answers, right? One is because I have, I have 
I've done both bad things. I've done both things right. I've thrown away a load of music magazines, and I've kept a load. Um. And the ones I kept, I actually published a, a, an article in, in uh, The Word magazine very recently, actually, of fabulous old forgotten yeah, yeah, dead yeah. rock magazines, which was so successful, it got such a warm reaction. We're running a little thing every month now. We get one particular magazine. We've started with Record Mirror and just run ten covers over 30 years. Whatever. It's really nice, actually. But the other thing is that uh, if you throw them away, I think you really regret them. You the I think so. Again. You I will so. really, really regret Theoretically, it. you should get rid of them for space. But when you actually come to do it, I couldn't do it. I couldn't get rid of them. No, because there's a period when they do seem boring. But then again, it's like there's a period when, I don't know, your university life seems yeah. boring. Or but vinyl then, or then whatever. 20 years later, your university life suddenly seems fascinating yeah. again. It's just a period that you go through. And I think the answer is you should. And also that they're very valuable. I mean, there's a guy called yeah. Clive Wichelow who's... They're not valuable. They're so not valuable. They're not, oh, they're not valuable. They're not, oh, they're not valuable? You can lag, you lag your lot with them. Really? They're not valuable. They're not. Even so, some back issues well, even the the or the fears or... No! I Yeah, they used to be. Not hmm. long ago, they were quite valuable. When Why I'm aren't they valuable anymore? When eBay, I'm, all kinds of things. so many people have them. When yeah. I moved house five years ago, I had a load of, like, almost every edition of the face. And I said... I, I was actually resorted in trying to give them away. And I actually rang the London College of Fashion thinking oh, you want they them. could use yeah. them. Um, and they said, if you can drop them off. Oh, yeah. If you can well, like a them, charity shop. Yeah. And I was like, well, they do weigh quite a lot. Could you not come and no. collect them? No. There is, there is nothing, this is great truth, there is nothing in your house that you, that, that you can give away that is sufficiently valuable that people will come around and pick it up. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you, have to, if you ever have to clear a house, generally speaking, the attitude of charities or whatever is well, fine as long as you bring there's it. There's going to be the odd slice of vinyl, isn't it? There's going to be worth a couple of miles. It's quite interesting, it's isn't it? When you think, what is the most valuable thing that you possess? And that's a question that we used to ask celebrities. And we asked Frank Lampard uh, of Chelsea if his house was burning down, what's the one thing he would take? You're expecting you know, pictures of the kids, whatever. He said, my mobile phone. <laughs> so that's all you need to know. He's got his numbers. All you need to know. So I know numbers in it. The most valuable thing I have in my house is an original Keith Haring. You know Keith oh, Haring, right, right, yeah. which in about 1989 went to a film festival. Keith Haring was a judge at the film festival. Yeah. Rang the wife, said, "There's some bloke here called Keith Haring. Never heard of him, obviously." She said, "He's a fantastically famous artist. Could you get him to sign his autograph?" And he signed it. My wife's called Lola, and he did Lola with the O as the head of one of the little stick insects. Signed at K Haring 89. Worth apparently a small fortune, really? so I've been told. So good, uh, and of course, I arrived back at the airport, crumpled up in the old pocket yeah. after a bit of a night out. Yeah, and he, and he signed that autograph. I was hang on a minute, just pulled it out of the pocket, all rolled up in a ball. There it is, framed in our house now. So That's I think it's probably the most valuable thing we possess. So, um, so the answer to the question is only if there's any sentimental attachment. Or, well, or a first edition or incredibly yeah, rare. I, think, edition, I, think, sure, I think the thing though. to do is see if you're going to keep them, keep them sparingly, don't keep them all. Because it's, it's having them all that, you know, also, the just have an example of it. I think things like the first issue of Smash Hits oh, yeah, must be worth something. Yeah. The first or the I last guess, issue. If you had a first issue of Smash Hits, I, I can't believe it's worth, worth more than about 30 quid. But, and also, only really? for collectors, if, it's been, if it was bought on the day of, kind of publication, put into a, one of those special yes. plastic yeah. bags that doesn't leak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hits. And yeah. never open. Yeah, and pristine condition. Yeah. It hasn't separated the flexi disc from it. Yeah. Talking of which, what should appear on the Word website this week? Oh, Wordmagazine.co.uk. <laughs> but from the year 1982, which is, let me remind you, 25 
for English years, years ago. ago. Mark Allen's legendary recording of Happy Christmas, Merry Christmas with the Stars. Have you heard this? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. I'll tell you what, this, uh, one of our reasons they sent it through yesterday, and we were just going to press uh, yesterday and today, so a lot of, lot of still stress in the office, you know. Uh, everyone's shouting at each other and uh, all manner of panic, as there normally is, you know. And to suddenly get this thing through, which somebody then put up and played, had a wonderfully calming effect. Because to, to explain what this was, this is an idea of Dave's, actually, 1982. <laughs> Dave had his idea because we got some money from an advertising company in Smash Hits who were going to prepare a jeans company. Do you remember? Levi's. Levi Jeans. I think we've heard of them. Quite well known, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we have now. Now they did that flexi and got a little bit of publicity. <laughs> but anyway, they... Made them. Yeah, exactly. Unknown them. before that. They, um, yeah, so they, we made this, this flexi. And I went out, I think, about eight days to go out and record various pop stars. And we got, Dave, unless I remember, absolutely oh, yes. everybody... At the time, Spanner Ballet, Duran Duran, Banana for God's sake, ABC. ABC. I think we've well, got Boring Bob Grover of the Piranhas playing his trumpet. I think so. The police. And they got them all Culture to pretend to be at a party, and Mark then to pretend to be the I host. remember this. It's a very, very sweet thing, actually. Yeah. And what's remarkable about it, hearing it now, is how many of the people are still well-known now. Yeah, still well-known. You know, that kind of generation of early 80s pop stars. You know what I mean? They still stick around. Yeah, yeah, there was a thing on the radio this morning being interviewed on Today programme. How long is that tour yeah. of the police going on? Duran are still going. 14 months or something like that? Duran Duran were on the X Factor two weeks ago, special guest, playing a new single, extraordinary, 25 years later. I mean, the longevity yeah. of these people, who at yeah. the time you would have thought, yeah. 18, 18 months or whatever, yeah. 25 yeah. years in fact, there's virtually only one person on the entire thing I've forgotten who they were, which is Lee Sharp. Lee Sharp from Imagination. Imagination. Oh, somebody, Lee, 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 Lee John. Lee John. With the extra Z. Lee Sharp. Lee Sharp was a Man United winger. Lee Sharp with three E's. Lee Sharp with a famous pub quiz question, which was how many E's are there in Lee Sharp? Depends what night of the week it is. I thank you. I'm here all thank you very good. Lee John, let's not talk about Manchester United. I've got a, uh, No, uh, let's uh, not go down. <laughs> what are you going to do? The Word. A magazine, a website, a podcast, a way of life. Correspondence from Andy Healy on the subject of drum solos. He says, I remember dancing to a six-odd-minute deep purple drum solo during a dance in Devon in 1971. I also remember starting to feel like a twat about halfway through. <laughs> what took you so long? <laughs> But kept going as I felt that stopping would give that notion unwelcome credibility. Did, didn't score that evening, funnily enough. There's an excellent letter from uh, Andy Healy. You see, now Andy, I can say Andy's name because he doesn't have a silly screen name or username or whatever. And I think some people might, might want to reconsider oh. their usernames. Because we, well, you know, people get things involving numbers and whatever, and you just can't, you can't read out uh, what they have to say. Anyway. Well, no, no, you can read out, but you refuse to read out. Well, yeah, okay. So you made your point. 62. Okay. Well, actually, one little twist on the game of Wikiprog, which people have been playing <laughs> on the website, where you go to Wikipedia, go random subjects, and the first... First thing that comes up is your band name. You give a random subject again. Same name as your as your uh, as your album name or whatever. Somebody decided he was going to have a go at it. He says, "I pressed the random article button and got Android Lust." Brilliant, I thought. Great name for a band. And then he goes, "Scroll down." Android Lust is an industrial solo project of Shiki that combines elements of rock, industrial, gothic, and classical styles. <laughs> he got a random subject. 
on Wikipedia, and he actually got a prog rock. A prog rock. What what a chance The circle is complete. It is. This is where we came in. So, uh, we're not going to get a chance to talk about Carlos Santana's wine. Uh, Other interesting things I've got lined up. And Barry. Yes. From the fair city of Belfast. Yes. Well, they're about to celebrate, I believe, the 40th anniversary of Astro Weeks. They're about to celebrate it. I I was in Belfast a couple of weeks ago. Um, Left to right, over dinner, myself, uh, Dermot X Factor (laughs) O'Leary, Pauline Birds of a Feather Quirk, and uh, Ian Paisley Jr., son of... (laughs) Son of (laughs) Papa Doc, as he's known. Papa Doc. And uh, Katrina Rowan, the Sinn Féin Minister for Education. A very bizarre lineup, even by my standards. We were there doing a... What was the occasion? We were there doing a sort of a, a thing for a charity over there called Cine Magic, and I was doing... Don't laugh. I was, I was doing a magazine master class. <laughs> I told you, Nancy. I knew it was coming. Dermot, Dermot to his eternal credit, move. actually. Dermot, <laughs> Dermot O'Leary, at the very height of, kind of X Factor, was doing a, a master class yeah. in TV presenting. Pauline Quirk was doing acting, obviously. Um, and obviously, what was Paisley Jr. Doing well, this is as because Dermot is obviously there as a bit of a VIP celebrity. Paisley Jr., who is uh, minister in the cabinet over there, was invited along for dinner, and we had a fantastic moment. I'd been briefed because I'm from Belfast. I'd been briefed. Ian Paisley Jr. is coming, son of the big man, um, but Pauline Court clearly hadn't, and he walked <laughs> into the restaurant. She called him Barry McElhenney, Ian Paisley. She called to Pauline Court and said, "Hello, I'm Ian Paisley." She said, "I fucking hope not." <laughs> And there was just that sort of awful silence. A glass of wine, anybody? And, uh, and she said, you're not related to him, are you? And he said, oh, as some people say he's my father. It's that sort of awful kind of moment. And it must be, you know, it's fascinating to talk to him, obviously. What is it like being in Paisley's son, you know, growing up? But anyway, yeah, while I was there... Clearly not. Anyway, weeks. Yeah, met up with Stuart Bailey, um, contributor to this parish occasionally, who did the very funny piece about working in the PR office when yeah. Prince fans used to send their underwear in. Stuart's now working in Belfast, running a kind of burgeoning music centre. And as part of um, the celebrations there of the 40th anniversary of Astral Weeks in January, they're going to be playing all of Astral Weeks with individual local Belfast acts. So Duke Special, I think Ash might be doing it, playing the album in its entirety. Different artists, different yeah, track from start to finish. They're also planning, and have already run one of these, a bus tour uh, around Van Morrison's childhood haunts, as featured um, you know, throughout his... Throughout will, his will that be an enthralling bus tour? Well, you, you'd start off, you go up Cypress Avenue, I suppose, and you head past St. Dollard's Church and down through and Sandy Road. meat pie when you get there. But yeah. You, yeah, you have a four, four cheese, yeah, big a white fish supper and four <laughs> pints <laughs> of heavy, a couple of pasties. But Stuart was saying yeah. that um, they ran... <laughs> yeah, got a couple of barn rack in the way. But they um they ran this last year and apparently it was a huge success. We absolutely sold out people from all over Germany, Australia, New Zealand booking up to go on the Van Morrison tour. And about, a, about a week before the bus was due to leave, they had a call from Van's people saying we'd like to buy up all the tickets for the tour. Because <laughs> they clearly don't really want anybody to be going on this. Because they can't control the entire thing. It's <laughs> extraordinary. <laughs> Um, and Stuart does a commentary and points out all the various various homes. So, so yes, that's what. So Astro Weeks. I mean, uh, we all listen to it and love it. You know, it's a lyrical masterpiece and so forth. What What's the one thing that you, as a Belfast native, listen to it and think they don't get this point? 
You know, um, most people listening to it don't understand the significance well, of this. A lot of it is to do with the local references. So you know, you need to know the city. I mean, James Joyce used to say about Ulysses, you know, if, if Dublin had been destroyed in 1906, you could build Dublin brick by brick from, yeah, the from reading Ulysses. Yeah. There's, some, there's something about that about Astral Weeks. It's sort of a tour of Belfast in a certain era, a sort of innocent era, era before the Troubles kicked in, because it's 67, 68. So it's just that sense of kind of him leaving and all these landmarks, some of which obviously have disappeared. So to some extent, you could kind of recreate this, at least this small part of East Belfast where he grew up, almost lyric by lyric. I mean, that, that, so if you right. know that and you've grown up with that and you know that George Best grew up half a mile away and that Ian Paisley lived on Cypress Avenue, this sort of... This world, and I think... Have they still, um, have they still um, you know, kept his old childhood homes? And it's still there. I mean, they, I, there's a big controversy at the moment, isn't there, in Liverpool with, with Ringo Starr's home? Well, again, with Van, nothing is simple. So the Belfast Rhythm and Blues Society put up a plaque at his childhood home in Hindford Street. And he, he, got his window, he got his window <laughs> clean his ladder. You know what's coming. And, of course, Van not only didn't turn up, but, you know, apparently didn't like, didn't like the idea. Well, all right, then we won't put a plaque up. Happy now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put a plaque up next door, you know, or whatever. You, see, you, can't, you can't win, as, as we know. But, yeah, it's all still there. And we, when I interviewed him for The Word a few months ago, I mean, he talked in some detail about this area he grew up in. And in this street, you know, he had this incredible musician. Oh, yeah. Amazing. And this is just this one tiny street in this one little pocket of East Belfast. Yeah. So what's this, uh, we're going to finish now with uh, a traditionally, uh, as we do, with the hoary old rock anecdote. And I believe, Barry, you got one concerning Van. Who was it? One about this person. There's one we made earlier. <laughs> yeah. the, the, one, the one. I mean, there are many Van Morrison anecdotes, which I imagine you've told here many times. But the, the, the one I, the one that springs to mind is when he was playing. I think it was at Walmart, Peter Gabriel's huge festival yeah, down, it, yeah. down near Bath. And Peter Gabriel said afterwards, all back to my place, you know, after show party. And Val said, no, no, I'm not going to bother with that. I don't do that sort of thing. So everybody's back at Peter Gabriel's house at, at midnight, one o'clock in the morning, you know, Burundi drummers over in the corner. <laughs> you know, the Burundi, Cora the Burundi on the boys. A little bit of world music going on. And there's a knock on the door, and, uh, and it's Van, who's turned up unexpectedly, in classic garb, a flat cap on, bomber jacket and a pair of jeans. And Peter Gabriel said, because somebody go and get the door. And uh, they open up the door, take one look at Van, and shout, anybody order a mini cab? <laughs> <laughs> Has the R of T about it, I'm saying. <laughs> That's the big of truth. <laughs> because he does... He's so plumber. He's wearing one of those car coats. He does look a bit... Oh, like, a belted yeah. car coat. I mean, he does... shiny little... <laughs> He does look book. a bit like a <laughs> And you can imagine at Gabriel's yeah, just, house, you know. Just swing, swing Taxi for Gabriel. <laughs> Taxi right. for the Bundy boys. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anywho. Oh, oh dear. He, he's just extraordinary how somebody can be so miserable and such a source of humour. I mean, so many people, you know. There is the greatest book to write. <laughs> And it must, at some stage, be assembled. Obviously, there will be legal um, uh, problems all the way, from start to finish and beyond the grave. But somebody must one day just collate all the stories about literally the world's most... I wanted to do a TV series called I Managed Van Morrison, (laughs) where you just assemble all the hundreds of people. Everybody you meet in the music business who's been around for any period of time, 
You say to them, do you ever manage Van Morrison? They say, oh yeah, I did about a month. You know, it's, it's, it's a rite of passage. You know, it's like, it's like managing some lower division. Well, a month gets a lot of applause, actually. I mean, that's, that's quite a long service. That's a long service. That's not to be sniffed at. That's long but, service. But what fascinates me, I mean, with Van, is that, I mean, with all artists, there's obviously a huge, there's a gulf, isn't there, between the person, when you get to meet, meet this person, and their work. But it's so vast in his case. You know, you go out with him, and you know he does look a bit like a minicab driver, and he talks with a Belfast accent. You know, he's what what people in Belfast would say. He looks like a like a corner boy, yeah. you know, the sort of fellow works in the shipyard. And then you go home, and you listen to this music, which and is it's just deep so spiritual, honesty. spiritual, and yeah. mystical. You know, and it's, it's just it's the gulf it is, is the greatest unbridgeable. Gulf, I think. There it is, is no huge. more pronounced gulf between uh, an artist and their, and their work. This podcast was brought to you by the Word. Details at wordmagazine.co.uk. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.